Welcome to Stuff You Should Know from HowStuffWorks.com. Hey, and welcome to the podcast. I'm Josh Clark. There's Charles W. Chuck Bryant. That makes us Stuff You Should Know featuring Jerry. Yay. Good afternoon. Good afternoon, Charles. <laughs> How are you? Uh, I'm good. A little, a little wackier than usual by maybe like 3 or 4%. Yeah, we're both a little wacky today. Usually we depend on the other to not be wacky. Mm-hmm. So this episode's going to suck. <laughs> no, it won't suck. It'll you don't be think? Great. Yeah. Oh, is, you're being optimistic. I see. I think it, this is good. I learned a lot about uh, this topic. <laughs> yes. Thank you for not blowing the big secret. That's right. We're talking about stem cells today. Uh, it's out there. Yep. We can't take it back. Nope. Um. Did you know much about stem cells before you researched this? A little bit. Keep up with the news a little bit on it, but uh, I hadn't done a ton of research. It's really fascinating. Yeah, it really is. Yeah. What's funny is what I knew about it before, what I assumed, um, which is just this very primitive idea of like taking a cell and making it turn into some other cell that you want and then injecting it into the affected area. <laughs> it's actually yeah. what stem cell therapy is. Yeah. That's the goal of it at this point. Pretty much. Yeah, one of them. Yeah. So basically, it's the caveman's dream. That's what stem cells are. <laughs> is that what it is? Yeah. I thought that was uh, warm soup. Warm soup? <laughs> All right. So after that. Okay. After warm soup was invented, they turned their attention to stem cells. Warm soup, then cold beer, then, st- then mm. stem cells. Yeah, that may have come first. Sure. You remember from the beer episode, the idea that bread was created to make beer easier to make? Yeah. That is such an awesome idea. I love it. That's a t-shirt right there. Yeah. It's Bread. a little clunky. I think we need to work on it. Bread before beer? Oh, well, there you go. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you thought I was going to put the whole thing. <laughs> yeah. No. It, it kind of keeps going on to the back of the shirt. Right? <laughs> oh, wow. You are in a weird mood today, aren't you? I know. I just like, uh, I don't even know what that was. Okay. Let's let's take this seriously. Yes. So um, there are plenty of diseases out there, Chuck, that affect cells. Sure. Like uh, Parkinson's. Yeah. Um, the neurons that produce dopamine, mm-hmm. the neurotransmitter dopamine, which helps control movements, yeah. um, those cells die. And as a result, you lack dopamine. And as a result of that, you can't control your movements. And then you have the characteristic tremors of Parkinson's. Sure. Um, heart failure mm-hmm. is apparently the result of, well, your heart failing. Yeah. But the heart failure comes from your heart cells dying off. Yeah, it's all cellular death for the most part. Yeah, well, a lot of it is, yeah. right? There's a lot of diseases out there. Type 1 diabetes. Yeah. Um, I believe you're not producing insulin like you're supposed to. Yeah, in the pancreas. Yeah. So the reason why? Cell death in the pancreas. So there's this whole idea that if you can just figure out how to reintroduce these cells, then the caveman's dream will be realized because you'll have a healthy pancreas and therefore no more type 1 diabetes. Yeah. You'll be producing um, dopamine again. No more Parkinson's and possibly no more Alzheimer's either. Yeah, no more a lot of stuff. Yeah, and it all comes down to the fact that we are losing cells in a, in an unnatural way, and they're therefore by replacing those cells, we could conceivably cure these diseases. Yeah, I guess we shouldn't say no more, but we should say reversible. You know, because you would still get Parkinson's, but then you would be able to reverse the effects. Right. We're not talking about 
eradicating oh it. yeah yeah you you're know right. what I'm saying that's a, that's a good point um, yeah we're talking about curing these things yes once you already have them I just saved us some pedantic emails you did <laughs> so the the whole point to all this the whole idea beneath it um, was discovered in 1981 when some researchers figured out that there are cells in mice mm-hmm. that are what are called undifferentiated meaning they're not really any kind of cell. Like, they don't carry oxygen in the blood. Mm -hmm. They're not capable of it. They're not capable of um, transmitting neurotransmitters. Yeah. They they didn't really seem to do anything. But then further and further research revealed, like, oh, my God, these cells can do anything. Yeah, they're like a little child. Like, what kind of cell do you want to be when you grow up? Right. And those are stem cells. Yeah. And then in, I think, 1998, they finally isolated them in humans. Because the big problem with stem cells is they look and seem just like all the other cells that they're around uh, until you figure out how to isolate them, which is something they're actually still working on. That's right. And uh, they, and we'll get to how they can... Uh mark these things, which is pretty neat in a bit. But um, there are not nearly as many stem cells is uh, is one of the main differences. Yeah, depending think, on where you look. Yeah, for the adult, and we'll get onto the different types as well, but for adult stem cells, it's about one for every 100,000 regular cells. Yeah, and again, like in the blood, that's the case. In the bone, you might find one for every 10,000, but the point is there's not nearly as many stem cells because you don't need as many. The, the uh, analogy that I, I guess they made in this article is that stem cells are kind of like the body's repair kit. Yeah. The thing is, is they don't necessarily do all the repairs that we need. Like you can still get Parkinson's and there's not a stem cell that automatically activates and cures your Parkinson's. If so, then this, we wouldn't be having this conversation. That's right. So the goal of stem cell therapy is to figure out how to take these stem cells and make them do what you want them to do. Yeah, uh, manipulating these cells to, to turn into helpful cells. Right. Uh, regular cells can only replicate um, to be another kind of that cell. Yeah. But stem cells are, uh, they have different levels of what's called potency, which is an ability to change, ranging from uh, totipotent, which can develop into anything. Anything. Like it can turn into a, a car if it wants to. <laughs> That's not true. It's like the the Wonder Twins. Yeah. It can turn to anything so long as it's water-based. That's right. Uh, and then you have um, other levels of potency, too, pluripotent, multipotent. Um, and we'll cover all this in, in detail as we go because each one has a different potency level. Right. But I think that was descending order from uh, capability, right? Like totipotent is anything. Yeah. Pluripotent is almost anything. Right. And multipotent is... A few things. Yeah, a few things. Sure. Um, and we have uh, these stem cells, like we said around the body. Yeah. In different places and and like you said their their job is to basically hang out in their call it like their host organ or their host tissue. Yeah, like we're all in the liver. We're liver cells. Right. So, you need a new you need a few liver cells here. I do. I'm going to divide <laughs> I'm going to divide into some more and then bam, no more cirrhosis or at least it's staved off for another year. Yeah. Um with the the bone marrow in particular, um, there's a type of uh, cell or a type of stem cell called a stromal yeah. stem cell. And that one um, creates all sorts of different types of blood cells um, because your blood cells, that's how they regenerate, yeah. through stem cells. They don't self-regenerate. 
and they only last about 28 days. Now, is that why you can use um, cells from bone marrow to treat other diseases like leukemia? Other blood diseases, exactly. Okay. And that is a procedure. It's actually a stem cell therapy that predated yeah. our awareness that stem cells even existed. Yeah, we just didn't call it a stem cell at the time. Yeah, it's a bone marrow transplant, and that's what people still call it. Yeah. Now we understand that what you're actually doing is transplanting that marrow that includes some bone marrow stem cells. It's kind of the key. Yeah, into another person, and then those stromal stem cells will start to regenerate and help the person who has accepted this donation. That's right. So that was the that's that that happened even before we understood what stem cells were. But since 1998, um, all of this research has really been focused on. Okay, how can we make this a little more guided and laser focused rather than accidentally transplanting stem cells from one person's bone marrow to another? Right. And so what they started to investigate and found, Chuck, was that. Uh, there's something called embryonic stem cells. And these were the first ones that were like, this is awesome. Yeah, and uh, like you said, they were isolated in humans in 98 um, due to private funding, which is important designation because we'll get to all the controversies in federal funding mm-hmm. uh, coming up soon. But uh, they are embryonic. They are in the embryo, the fetus, or the umbilical cord blood, right. uh, which is why a lot of times um, mothers will save their umbilical cord uh, or not themselves. They don't just give it to them. <laughs> they stuck it in their purse. <laughs> they it wrap saved. it up in a Kleenex for later. <laughs> Here you go. Uh, because that could uh, come in handy later on. Yeah. Um, and it depends on when it's harvested, but they are the ones that are pluripotent, depending, like I said, on when you get them. They can also very early on be the ultimate uh, totipotent. Yeah. But that's um, that's super early. Yeah, you have to have a quick hand like to get this totipotent. A day one. or so, right? Yeah. Old. Um, so those are the embryonic versions. That's right. Then you've got adult stem cells. And um, strangely, adult stem cells are found from infants on. Yeah. So I think the adult refers to the actual stem cell rather than the person who has that type of stem cell. Yeah, I think it's I guess it's sort of like post-embryonic is the way I looked at it. Yeah. Uh, or post birth, maybe. Yeah, that makes sense. Uh, it is multipotent, which means it can uh, differentiate uh, or change itself into a lot of different helpful things, but not as many as pluripotent. No. Um, and then, lastly, in 2006, some Japanese people figured out that you could take and English. Were they English too? Well, there was two guys who won the Nobel Prize. Oh, one was awesome. Japanese. One was a sir. Awesome. They both deserve it. Yeah. Because they figured out that you can take a cell, any kind of cell, and make it regress back into a stem cell. And that was huge because, in part, or mostly because of the big controversy around embryonic stem cells, which, like you said, we'll get into in depth. Yeah, and those are called induced uh, pluripotent stem cells, or IPSCs, Mm -hmm. induced because they're inducing it, and pluripotent because they revert back to... uh, the very handy uh, pluripotent states. Right. Uh, Those are the main three. That's in general. And we'll talk about all of them a little more in depth right after this. All right. So let's start with embryonic. That seems like the logical place. Okay. Uh, If you listen to our in vitro fertilization podcast recently, you know all about um, how an embryo is formed. We have an egg fertilized by a sperm. It divides, becomes an embryo. It's basically that simple. I encourage you to go listen to that podcast, though. It was a good one. You'll learn all about all kinds of stuff. 
when you undergo IVF, though, like we talked about in that episode, uh, a lot of times you will have more embryos, not always, um, but a lot of times you'll have more embryos than you're going to use. Mm-hmm. And so you can freeze those and save them for later in case you get pregnant and that doesn't work out. Right. Um, or it just becomes medical waste. You get pregnant and you're like, we don't need those anymore. You can just discard them. Or you can go with option three, which is to donate them uh, to science to be used in stem cell cloning, therapeutic cloning. Yes. Um, the reason that they would want your embryos is because, like you said, they're at some point totipotent yeah. and definitely pluripotent. Yeah. They're so very um, versatile. Very versatile yeah. as far as stem cells go. Um, and you can – it's very – it's not easy. I don't think it's. I don't think that's the right word. But you can take a, a embryonic stem cell yeah. and culture it and let it divide into more, and then culture those and culture those. And as long as they stay undifferentiated, you have a line of stem cells that can just keep replicating more and more stem cells. They're never going to turn into a certain kind of cell. That's right. So what you've just created is an embryonic stem cell line. The thing is, and this is what people have a problem with, to harvest these things, you have to destroy the embryo. You have to, you have yeah. to let it become a blastocyst, which takes a couple days. And by the time it becomes a blastocyst, it's about a hundred cells wide, yeah, or deep. There's, and then inside this is the the embryonic stem cells. So basically, you have to crack the blastocyst open, yeah, and then harvest the stem cells. And then there's nothing left to do with the um, the blastocyst. That's right. If you're a religious type and you believe that life begins at conception, then the problem is is you've just taken a life by destroying a blastocyst. Yeah, and uh, that's just one of the controversies. The therapeutic cloning is also controversial because that's when they merge a cell. You've got a patient who needs the therapy, and they merge that cell with a donor's egg. Mm-hmm. And then remove the nucleus from that egg, replace it with the patients, and it basically is like their own. Now it's it's uh, not likely to be rejected, which right. is uh, a big problem. You're just basically using someone else's egg for its structural capabilities. Yeah, and the, but the nucleus, the thing that's saying like, here, build this, go do this. It's it's going to look like you, not them. Yeah, but anytime you use that c word. Uh, Cloning? Yeah. Well, it's, it's going to be controversy is going to ensue, of course. Indeed, but it's also a double controversy, too, because you have to do the same thing. You're still forming an embryo that you destroy once yeah. it gets to the blastocyst stage. It's just a freak of nature because you cloned it. It's called a double whammy. <laughs> right. <laughs> so that was that's embryonic. That's right. And, you know, there's a lot of controversy around it. Um, and we'll talk about that a little more later. But there is another type of stem cell... Um, that isn't nearly as controversial, if at all. And that's the adult stem cell, which we mentioned, which doesn't mean you have only when you're an adult. Right. But it's a type of stem cell that it's like the kind that hangs out in your bone marrow. It's It has a more of a specialized um, job. Yeah, or it can become specialized, which is the key. Uh, and as you said, it hangs out and it can divide and help out the liver if it needs to mm-hmm. or the pancreas if it needs to and um that's the main differentiate is that it's it's multipotent instead of pluripotent it still has limits yeah um and and it's basically again this is these are the ones that are your they're not there to create you the human for the first time right they're there to kind of keep you from wearing down too fast 
Yeah, I wonder it. I wonder if they're left over, or if they're supposed to be there. I know that sounds like a weird differentiation. Uh, I don't know because I did see somewhere that um, they're still trying to figure out. It, although this Japanese research may have figured it out, but they're trying to figure out why some types of stem cells, adult stem cells, yeah. will just sit there and just hang out for a very long time. Yeah. And then all of a sudden they start to divide. So I don't know. Maybe they are original cells. If they're just kind of hanging out doing nothing, why would they age? I don't know. You know? It's weird. Uh, so we mentioned earlier that they, uh, one of the difficulties in working with stem cells, especially these adult stem cells, is they look like other cells. So they have a really cool way of, of marking them or, uh, what they call lighting them up. Um, Russell's, um, every cell has a unique protein called a receptor on the surface and they bind these chemical messages. That's how cells talk to each other, basically. Right. And so they use these markers, um, to identify the adult stem cells. They basically tag them, tag these chemical messages with fluorescent molecules. Right. And then once they put that fluorescent, uh, chemical in there, it lights up under a fluorescent light, so they make them kind of glow in the dark. Yeah, because that chemical message is now bound to the only type of cell it's, it'll bind to, the stem cell. So then, yeah, when you hit it with the black light. Somebody should have won a uh, a Nobel Prize for that, too. Yeah. In my opinion. Black light. But uh, it's the same as embryonic stem cells. Um, you can grow these in a Petri dish. You can establish a new cell line, right? And they are extremely useful. And like you said, they're they naturally say in the liver create new uh, liver cells. Yeah, but they have been shown um, transdifferentiation to undergo transdifferentiation, right? Where they can be induced to do something slightly different, right? So, like a, a liver stem cell can produce insulin. Which is typically produced in the pancreas, right? And they haven't, um, they haven't quite figured that out yet, right? No, no, they do not know yeah. this. Like they know that stem cells somehow can be induced to do different things. They don't know how to do it yet. Yeah, this is all super new stuff. Yeah, for the most part. I mean, if you're talking since 1998, that's not a long time. They um, did recently figure out these uh, hemopoietic, yeah, hemopoietic stem cell. Uh huh. Which is a, it's a type of blood stem cell that makes all different kinds of blood cells. Uh, it's a very important one. And they found that by looking at zebrafish embryos, which are totally transparent, uh-huh. um, they actually watched these things form and they just found out, like, within the last couple of weeks that these require a, what they're calling a buddy cell to become the type of, uh, stem cell that forms blood, right? Yeah. So now they're, they think that they're one step closer to figuring out these hemopoietic, um, stem cells. Wow. They don't know what the buddy cell is or right. where it comes from, but yeah. they, now they know that it needs a buddy. So I think these it's are Peter kind Scalari. of like, the, these are the kind <laughs> of piecemeal steps that we're making toward understanding stem cells. All right. And then we have our, well, maybe not final because you already told us about the fourth, but the third, uh, type is what we call the induced pluripotent stem cell. And um, that's the one that we mentioned was pioneered by uh, Shinya uh, Yamanaka and Sir John, I almost said Sir John Gruden, so Sir John Gurdon. <laughs> well, who's John Gruden? That sounds so familiar. He's the NFL coach that looks like oh, yeah. Chucky yeah, for child's play. Yeah. <laughs> he didn't win a Nobel Prize, though. No. But for their efforts in 2012, they did win a Nobel Prize. And... Uh, Basically, like you said, they found a way to induce 
these cells to return to their embryonic state, which is amazing. Yeah. It sounds like basically they're using epigenetics. Yeah, that's a dangerous word to say, too. Well, think about (laughs) this. So like a cell, what they found is that cells change and become the way that they later become, like a liver cell or a bone cell or a neuron or something like that. Yeah. Because they all have the same genetic code in them. Yeah. But then certain gene sequences are either turned on or off in that cell, and that changes or tells them or directs them to become what kind of cell they become, right? Yeah. What these guys have done is introduced what are called stem cell factors that go in and switch everything off to turn them back into these pluripotent stem cells. The thing that they haven't figured out how to do yet is to now activate them to say, here's some new markers to change your your gene sequence and uh, now become uh, a liver cell. Right. I keep coming back to liver cells. I know. I'm fixated on that. <laughs> yeah. um, that's, that's the next step. Yeah, and the, the great thing about the IPSC is that it doesn't involve embryos, so that kind of skirts the ethical and political side of things. Yeah, because you can take a skin cell. Exactly. And again, these guys are having a 1% success rate, which is not bad. No. But if you, if this, this, uh, this other researcher has figured out how to make them at 25 or 30%, that's even better. Yeah, and these are, it's such a new, um, a new process with the ISPC is they, they need to do research to see how effective they are in treatment. Right. Uh, if they are identical to embryonic stem cells or if they just behave a lot like them. Um, so the proof in the pudding will be coming hopefully in recent, in, uh, in the coming years. Exactly. Not recent years. In coming years. In coming years. <laughs> so, uh, Chuck, let's talk about how they hope to actually use stem cells in the future once they f- have mastered these things after this. Okay, so using the stem cells is very important. You can create all these cell lines, and they can live a very great life in a Petri dish. Sure. But unless we're saving lives and reversing disease, um, what good are they? Well, so far, no good. <laughs> but hopefully what they're what they're thinking of is they'll be able to use these things for, say, like drug, t- drug trials. Yeah, that's huge, because right now what you have to do is test something on an animal and then think, all right, well, if it does this in a mouse... Let's try and figure out how it might work in a human yeah. instead of just testing it directly on human cells. Apparently, the the steps you follow are um, mouse, monkey, human, uh, unless there's an Ebola outbreak, and then you just go straight to human yeah. and, and get the FDA to pass it. <laughs> and the mice um, are like, whew. Right. So if you're, if you're creating like a heart drug or something and you can induce some um, stem cells to become heart cells, heart tissue. Yeah. And then test the drug out on this, you're basically just running human trials right there. Yeah, you're skipping steps, you're saving time, you're saving money. Cutting corners. Uh, yeah, that has a negative connotation. (laughs) (laughs) So that's one, uh, that is one idea behind a good way to use these stem cells. Let them stop living their life of leisure and start contributing for once. Yeah, and forget the drug trials. Maybe they can actually like you said earlier, I think at the beginning, just inject it right into the heart, let's say, to repair damaged tissue. Yeah. And they, they've actually had some success with this in mice. Again, our understanding of stem cells and what they're doing is 
kind of primitive, but they took mice with bad tickers yeah. and they injected them with heart stem cells. And um, all of a sudden, the mice had like super hearts. Yeah. But they don't know if these stem cells went in and regrew heart, like cardiac muscle tissue. Right. New blood vessels. They're not sure why. They just know that the mice, the mice's hearts, <laughs> yeah, yeah, were better. Uh, and as they go along testing all these things, one of the things they have to get around, one of the hurdles is um, rejection, like uh, bone marrow transplant, any kind of transplant in the body, really. Yeah. There's a chance that your body will reject it and say, this is a foreign invader. Maybe go in and attack it and kill it. Right. Um, but one of the cool things about the uh, IPSC is since it comes from your own body, it has a, probably a greater chance of not being rejected. Yeah, same with uh, using adult stem cells. They're going to take them from you. Exactly. And use them on yourself. So that's very promising as well. So, Chuck, we've been kind of skirting around this issue a little bit, but um, we we made mention that embryonic stem cells uh, do represent a very controversial piece of scientific research because, to some, they represent the destruction of life. Yeah, and it, it all kind of got started with the uh, Clinton administration. Um, in 1995, the National Institute of Health Human Embryo Research Panel uh, advised Billy Boy to authorize funding for uh, research on leftover embryos from IVF treatments that we mentioned uh, and to create new embryos mm-hmm. um, from scratch for research purposes. And he said, uh, the first one sounds good. But I don't know about that second one. <laughs> Let me ask Newt Gingrich. Can you say that like like Clinton? Let me ask Newt Gingrich. Perfect. <laughs> I thought you were asking me to do a Newt Gingrich. I was like, I have no idea how to do Newt Gingrich. He was pretty, uh, he didn't have like a very remarkable accent. No, especially not for being a Georgian. Yeah, that's true. Um, so that was in 1995. And um, like we said, in 1998 is when things really got rolling because of private funding. But by then, Congress had already put the brakes on it. Yep, because in 1995, there was a writer on another bill called the Dickey-Wicker Amendment from J. Dickey and Roger Wicker. Doesn't that sound like a British amendment? It does. The Dickey-Wicker. Yeah. Um, probably because of Sticky Wicket yes. and Cricket. Right. Right? Yeah. Uh, and they proposed banning federal funding for any research in which you destroy the embryo. Yeah. So, I mean, like, it wasn't specifically limited to stem cell research. Yeah. But, like we said, to get to the stem cells, you have to crack open the blastocyst, which destroys the embryo, which, in effect, put the freeze on creating any new stem cell lines. Pretty much. And they've renewed it every year since then. Um, but, like anything in the U.S. government, there's all sorts of ways to get around it. And one is the executive order. And Bush came in, and he issued his own executive orders, right? Yeah. Which kind of strengthened the existing rules on embryonic research. Yeah, and that's the one where he said you could use federal funds only on those established lines, either the 19 or the 22. Right. Uh, depending on, I guess, where, where you're getting your info. And um, it prevented, basically, uh, any funding, federal funding, for creating these new lines. Mm-hmm. Um, so like you said earlier, I think they were grandfathered in. Right. And, and the, the problem with that is, I mean, these stem cell lines can produce millions of new stem cells in, within a matter of months, but you need even more 
for decent research. So there was a, in the United States at least a, a lot of uh, there was a huge freezing effect on stem cell research. It just wasn't nearly as widespread as it, it could be, at least if you wanted federal funding for your lab. Yeah. Um, and so under Bush, the, the I, I guess there was just a, there was still this huge national debate about it, and the Bush administration sided with the pro life lobby. Sure. And said, no, you guys can just do this, but how about this? I'm going to issue an executive order encouraging you to go figure out a way to start new stem cell lines without destroying embryos. Go. Yeah. And I, I, I guess you can kind of say, well, then after that, there was the induced pluripotent stem cells. I think they were probably already working on those. I don't know if it was in tribute to Bush's challenge or anything like that. Right. But it did come after that. Yeah. So that was all in 2001-ish. And then uh, in 2005, by the time that came around, um, the House and the Senate, both um, even moderate Republicans, started to kind of get on board a little bit more, say, hey, maybe we need to broaden this thing a little bit because it's super promising. So let's introduce a couple of... Uh, a couple of acts, the Stem Cell Research Enhancement Act of 2005. And uh, that would have allowed federal funding of research on uh, these new lines, not those grandfathered in, uh, only from the discarded embryos um, from fertility treatments. Uh, the House passed it, 238 to 194. Uh, the Senate passed it, 63 to 37, and Bush vetoed that. He said he was going to veto it. It's one of those deals. He's like, go ahead and vote. I'm mm-hmm. going to veto it. All right. They voted. He vetoed it. Uh, they did not, they tried to override the veto, the House did, but they failed to. And then the Stem Cell Research Enhancement Act of 2007, uh, was similar, um, to the original in 2005. That passed the Senate and House as well, and, uh, Bush vetoed that one in, as well. Huh. Okay, so that was the climate that, that Obama comes in. Yeah, and, and, uh, again, he, you know, Bush wasn't saying, I hate stem cell research, it's, it's stupid and, I want people to die of disease. Right. He was saying we should only do it in certain uh, ways, right? That don't violate uh, what a lot of people feel like are you know, uh, life begins at you know that very first day. Right. So Obama comes in and says, "Forget that. If you have your 19 or 22 stem cell lines, you can get federal funding for working on those lines. Everybody, that's cool. And how about some new lines? If somebody's going to discard embryos." from in vitro fertilization and they want to donate them and these people are aware that these things are going to be used for medical research, Yeah, then you can create new stem cell lines using federal funding. Yeah, and that you're not paying those people. Right. That was the final step. Yeah. Um, and so a couple of, ironically, a couple of stem cell researchers sued um, to get these rules stopped from being put into place um, and they actually won. Uh, their case was overturned on appeals, I believe, who basically also said, you know what, this, uh, what is it, the Dickey what amendment? The Sticky Wicket. The, the, the Dicky Wicker. The Dicky Wicker amendment is overly broad. And so we're going to limit this. And everything Obama just said in his executive order, just go ahead and, and we're going to go forward with those rules. So that's the current state of affairs right now is an appeals court interpreted this 1996 legislative act as overly broad, and we're operating under an executive order that's allowing federal funding for embryonic stem cell research to continue. Nothing's really changed as far as the national conversation goes, it feels like. It's just died down a bit. 
as far as the volume goes. Yeah, and um, they've never banned research. It's just a matter of restrictions on federal funding and use. Um, yeah, well, they also didn't ban research on gun violence. They just stopped funding that, too. That's right. Remember that? I do. Yeah. You got anything else? I got nothing else. Uh, okay. Well, that's stem cells, at least as far as um, it goes in, what, August 2014? September-ish? Yeah. 2014? I'm sure that in five years, it's going to be a whole new world. Yeah, you never know. We might see the end of Parkinson's and MS and Alzheimer's. and yeah, Just inject some new cells in there. <laughs> uh, if you want to know more about stem cells, you can type those words into the search bar at HowStuffWorks.com. And uh, since I said search bar, it's time for listener mail. Uh, I'm going to call this banana flavoring. Um, I can't remember which podcast it was. Play-Doh. But um, I said that I didn't ever like banana flavoring and stuff, but uh, I like bananas. Yeah. And you were like, what? Uh, we got a, quite a few emails explaining this, and I'm super happy because I get it now. Um, and this is from Elliot. Um, you guys seem to be unaware of why uh, the flavor is different. Currently, we most commonly enjoy what is called the Cavendish banana. You ever heard of that? Mm-hmm. Yeah? I did a Don't Be Dumb on banana cloning. Oh, you did? Mm-hmm. Well, how about that? <laughs> uh, there are uh, the long yellow bananas people like to have on their Sundays. Uh, before the 1960s, the most commonly purchased banana was the the Big Mike or the Gross Mikkel. I guess it came from Germany. Uh, yeah. <laughs> it's definitely true. Because gross means big. Uh, there are the bananas. Uh, these are the bananas that banana candy is based on. Um, after Panama disease, uh, which was a fungus, wiped out large amounts of Big Mikes, most markets switched over to the Cavendish. Uh, the worry now is that the Cavendish may be affected in the same way soon. Um, monocultures aren't the best plan, apparently. So, essentially, the bananas that we eat now that we know and love, the banana flavoring that they use is not based on those bananas. That's why it tastes weird. Huh. Um, That's and, pretty interesting yeah, stuff. Yeah, and a lot of people s- sent this in, so I tend to believe it. Because if, like, four people say something, yeah, it's definitely true. definitely right. <laughs> uh, and here's an extra factoid. He says, cherry flavor is based on uh, maraschino cherries, which is... Uh, which are in turn flavored with almond extract, so cherry-flavored candy is somewhat almond-flavored. And thanks for the great show. I look forward to every episode. And that is from Elliot. Thanks, Elliot. Good stuff there. Cavendish, Big Mike, I had no idea. Yeah, and, like, bananas are all asexual, so every banana that you've ever had is an exact clone of its progenitor. Crazy. Isn't that? I'm going to watch that Don't Be Dumb episode. Let's go do it right now. Yeah. Okay. Uh, If you want to check out Don't Be Dumb, uh, you can go to our website. But first, you should get in touch with us via SYSK Podcast on Twitter at our Facebook.com slash Stuff You Should Know page. You can email us if you want and just send it to StuffPodcast at HowStuffWorks.com. And you can check out all of our videos, all of our cool stuff, and just generally hang out and be our friends at our home on the web, the clubhouse known as StuffYouShouldKnow.com. For more on this and thousands of other topics, visit HowStuffWorks.com. 